Welcome to Squeaky Tree Podcast. My name is Nathaniel Wickham, and this is my beautiful wife with me. Jessica. And we have just a wonderful podcast uh, for you guys that uh, we're actually just going to be so excited to uh, present to you. It is a a friend of ours that we got connected with um, kind of just randomly. And ever since then, we kind of hit it off, and we have been kind of communicating and together ever since. And they are such, him and his wife are such a great couple and uh, we loved them to death. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, uh, we were connected by God. Yes. That's the only reason for it. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll probably get into that a little bit more when he's on and we're able to kind of talk it, talk it out back and forth. Uh, and you get to find out why. But we're going to be talking about addiction and what it does to your brain and how you can help somebody. Specifically opioid addiction. Well, we just want to welcome uh, Dr. Mark Plaster with yeah. us. He is a uh, friend of ours that we came in contact with. And uh, we're excited about this podcast. Yeah, so, so we actually met uh, ooh, like two years ago, was it that long? Or yeah. yeah, just about. Yeah. Has it been that long? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I yeah. Think so. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, it was t- a total God appointment to where yeah. we should not know each other. We just, you got our number, you called us the next day we met and, mm-hmm. um, and then just God took it away from there. It was right. just amazing. Yeah. yeah. I was actually looking for a, a site uh, to do, um, uh, a clinic for which what we're doing now. Yeah. Uh, to see to take care of patients who are opioid uh, dependent and yes. um, and it was this uh, uh, and I got a hold of you and you were out at the uh, uh, assisted living facility and yeah. had a house there and um, and then it all kind of fell apart and yeah. then it turned out that the better place actually was Living Word Community Church yeah uh, and so. Uh, and now that's where we're at, and and that that's been, as you say, a, a, a very God appointed place. Yes. So yes. Uh, it's really wanted, really worked out well. So I we just have got another call. To, I got another call today for another patient today. Oh, so. sweet! Good, that's awesome. Good, good, that's and awesome. we're we're hoping that this podcast will bring people even as more well. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today's so we podcast. we do have a lot of questions that. Uh, so you're going to get okay. drilled tonight. <laughs> so you better be ready. Okay. But you know <laughs> all the answers. So. <laughs> But I think the first thing we should do is besides we just introduced your name as Dr. Mark Plaster, but I think that it'd be really cool if you kind of went through your accomplishments, some of the things you've done that you've told us, you know, about yeah, just who are you? Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Well, I'm an old man. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us on the screen. <laughs> old men have long histories. And so uh, uh, it depends on where you want to, where you want to start. You know, uh, um, I've been an, an emergency physician for a long, long time. I was probably one of the first classes of, of emergency medicine specialists that came out in 1979 and then uh, spent my career uh, doing emergency medicine and, um, and, and as such, uh, got an opportunity to do a practice life, a practice style that was kind of unusual. I was teaching at the university, and and some things, uh, uh, <laughs> put it bluntly, the the hospital went bankrupt, and so we mm. all had to leave. Mm. And so I didn't want to move my kids, and so I started uh, doing something that uh, a few doctors are doing more frequently now, which is called a locum tenens practice, uh, where I contacted hospitals that were in staffing crisis, uh, depending on where they were in the country, and I went out and helped them. And so mm. I was becoming uh, an emergency, emergency doctor. Wow. <laughs> okay, yeah. So cool. I, I had 15 different state licenses, and I would uh, fly into a place in Texas or Illinois or Missouri or North Carolina or Hawaii wow. and uh, and help them through uh, essentially a staffing crisis. Wow. And uh, so I did that for a long, long time. And in the process, I think I told you guys this, uh, when my son, my oldest son, Graham, uh, was at the US Naval Academy, uh, I got the harebrained idea of joining the Navy Reserves, and it was back before, it was in the spring of uh, 2001, and as we know, in the fall of 2001, all of our lives changed, at least mine did, mm-hmm. and uh, my son's did, and um, oh, yeah. we were both uh, in the Navy at that time, and uh, the towers fell, and, and uh, my wife and I looked at each other and said, my son and I are going to end up going to war. Wow. And we did. We ended up going to war together. We're one of the few fathers and sons in American history who have ever done that. We actually fought in the same war at the same time. Wow. Wow. And um, and so I had had a chance to 
get to know Marines. Uh, I ran a shock trauma platoon for the Marine Corps and, and uh, did uh, uh, several combat tours in Iraq uh, with the Marines. And, and one of the things I, that I, I, I saw over there certainly was when I came back, actually, more, more than when I was there, uh, was the number of, of uh, service members who had become addicted to wow. opiates, mm. and uh, and I wanted to do something about it. I didn't I didn't feel that the country was really taking really a, a focus on it, and mm. uh, and <laughs> someone very unwisely re- recommended me to do something that I shouldn't <laughs> have done, which was run for Congress, and yeah. uh, and it was uh, especially in this political se- season. Uh, it was incredibly difficult, and it was probably doomed from the start because of the way our two-party system works here in, in Maryland, or a one-party system. Right, right. Uh, but I, but I nevertheless uh, wanted to do something about the uh, opioid uh, uh, epidemic yeah. uh, that we have in the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, well, if I can't do something from a policy standpoint, I can do something from a personal standpoint. Mm. And uh, I started... Uh, uh, working, I actually retired from emergency medicine and started uh, taking care of p- patients, uh, not just veterans, but uh, all kinds of patients who uh, were opioid dependent. And I use that word very specifically, um, being dependent rather than being an addict. I think an addict yeah. is a pejorative. I think it's it's demeaning uh, yeah. to somebody. Uh, you know, we don't say that uh, that a di- diabetic is addicted to uh, insulin. Mm, and, right. You know, uh, nevertheless, they they still need to have it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I think that we're a patient who's dependent, uh, from a variety of reasons, uh, it needs to be treated with honor and, and, uh, respect and, yeah. and, 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 and try to treat them. So anyway, several years ago, I started doing that and, and worked, uh, at one point I was the chief medical officer of turning point clinic down in Baltimore and people can't wrap their heads around this, but we were seeing 3000 patients a day. Wow. A day. That's crazy. For treatment, wow, three thousand a day, and most of them probably live within a mile and a half, two miles of the clinic. Wow. Oh my gosh, that is that okay? You, I mean, I'm not demeaning anything about coronavirus, but we're going to have ninety thousand deaths this year. That's yeah. probably well understated, okay? And we've been doing this for a decade, mm. at least, wow. maybe two decades, okay? And uh, it, it puts some things in perspective, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and and so uh, it, it's not just a, a city problem. It's not just in Baltimore, as you know, living in Southern Maryland. Right. Yeah. It's everywhere. It, it is. crosses socioeconomic lines. It crosses racial lines, mm-hmm. um, and um, and so. Uh, for one thing, I had to own up to the fact that uh, in many cases, physicians and their overprescribing had had started and caused this problem. Wow! Mm. Wow! Yeah. And and, uh, and and so I, in a way, I felt like I was kind of doing penance uh, for my profession, and uh, and and saying, you know, we in some ways, in, in, in the majority of cases, are the ones who created this. Wow! So uh, we need to. To get busy and and, uh, and help and and uh, and I will kind of lead back into the discussion by saying one of the models uh, and so I formed a, a group a medical group or a corporation if you will Tent House Health and Wellness okay that sounds kind of funny Tent House well it turns out that the 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 place that we live is called Tent House mm. and uh, it's it's a piece of property that's been here since the 1650s mm. and uh, it it uh, got its name from the Quakers who would come here in the summertime and build a tent structure and a, and a church and uh, would come here and uh, worship it would like a summer uh, tent meeting uh, wow. kind of uh, situation and uh, but it also kind of went uh, and spoke to the the fragility of life mm. of our houses. You know, we think of we this house. I, I could show you this house, but it's quite grand, and yeah. um, and yet it's temporary. Mm-hmm. You know, our bodies are quite grand, That's but right. they're very temporary. Yes. And so, Ten House Health and Wellness incorporates not only the health part, which is helping you get off the the drugs, but also wellness, which, as you know, as pastors, mm. goes well beyond that. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we can we can help you stop using illicit drugs, but the question is, what are you going to be when you do? Right. Yes. Are you going to be well? Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, 
you know, uh, yeah. I, I always go back to one of the, my favorite stories uh, about Jesus is he walked into uh, the pool of Siloam and saw the, uh, the paralytic laying there. Mm. And he'd been laying there for decades. Mm. Okay, decades. He'd been, and he walked over there to him and he said, do you want to be well? Wow. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's that good. That seems like one of the stupidest questions in right. the world. Right. But, but in actual fact, it's one of the most profound questions in the yes. world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be well? Yeah. Right. You know, not just healthy. Mm. You know, it's not just health. Right. Wellness yes. is not just health. Right. And he says, do you want to be well? And he said, and he he converted it right back to, you know, well, nobody will get me the water. He's sort of whining and blaming other yeah. people and this, this, that, and the other, you know. And um, and it was like Jesus said, you know, you don't get it. Mm. This is what this is about. Right. So he healed him. Mm-hmm. He healed him and uh, and gave him an opportunity for not only health, yes. but also wellness. Right. Yes. So that's what. Love that. So that's what, that's what the 10 House Health and Wellness is all about. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's let's go. We have a. This is a very simple question, but we got to act like people don't know this. You know what I mean yeah. when we're doing a podcast. So, what are opioids, Doctor? Okay, no, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you're asking those questions. No, that's great. Uh, um, opiates are a class of drugs. Okay, there are they're both naturally occurring and synthetic. Okay, mm. um, uh, some of them, uh, you know, for instance. Uh, uh, all the morphine and heroin and oxycodone and whatnot uh, are—they come from a from a plant, uh, a poppy actually. Mm. Uh, I would say 80% of it coming from Afghanistan. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, in fact, the Afghan the uh, Afghan um, what do you get, the Taliban mm-hmm. makes all their money off of opium. Uh, and, wow. Uh, that that's what fuels it, and wow. that's what that's what fuels it, and mm. and so. You have um, it's it's uh, it the opium uh, uh, the the goo. What am I saying here? The the you know the the liquid from the uh, from the plant is mm-hmm. is uh, distilled down into a powder, and that powder is you know in the old days was uh, was opium, and then it it's distilled even further into heroin. And medicinally, it's it's distilled, uh, you know, purity into morphine and all the derivatives, uh, oxycontin and oxycodone and all those. Now, in our, you know, living better chemically, we have chemical uh, analogs or similar similar chemistries, you know, and we've made fentanyl. Mm. And fentanyl has the 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 benefit of having a much faster effect, much smaller amounts of drug. Um, yes. whereas we used to, a lot more uh, deadly you know, you, <laughs> yeah, and it's deadly. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's absolutely deadly. And, and the, uh, it even goes beyond that. Um, the, the car fentanyl yeah. uh, used in mm-hmm. his, uh, nicknamed the elephant tranquilizer cause it actually yes. was used for that. Right. Wow. And that's a synthetic. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a tiny, tiny amount of that, you know, will drop you in your tracks mm. and, uh, just that's had crazy. a guy, um, just had a guy just the other night uh, who died of a fentanyl overdose. Oh. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So are these you people know. realizing that they're taking this, or is it something that is being laced in other things? Yeah. Uh, Jessica, you bring up a, a great point, and, and that is that the people – how do I say this kindly? The people that are mixing these drugs oftentimes are not the kids who made A's in chemistry. Okay. And, and so it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And mm. if, if it's not strong enough this time, we'll throw in a, a little bit more of this. And, and the next thing you, you, you don't know that that's right. what I tell my wow. patients, you buy something off the street uh, in Baltimore, you do not know what is in it. Right. Yes. Right. It may, it may have fentanyl. A lot, of, a lot of times it does have fentanyl because they don't have enough heroin. You know, heroin is cheap, and so it's it's not giving them a big enough kick, and so they throw in a little bit of fentanyl. And I mean, the guy's in the kitchen. He's in some place, and he's throwing a little fentanyl on top of it. Right, wow. right, right. He, he may be throwing meth How on top scary. of that. He may be throwing, you know, talcum. <laughs> it's all kind of right. you know, these, anything, uh, right? These, anything. Anything, I, you know, I, I had a patient one time tell me that he'd gotten some uh, heroin from uh, from Baltimore, and I tested his urine. And I said, "Well, whatever you got, it wasn't heroin." 
because it didn't show up. Wow. <laughs> wow. It was probably sugar. It was probably sugar with some fentanyl in it. Wow. That's crazy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So you've got so to boil it back down to answer your question, you've got naturally occurring uh, uh, opioids, and there's a reason why we call them the, the class of opioids. And then you got synthetics and semi-synthetics and a variety, whole okay. whole bunch of different things. Okay. And now, besides besides like the next question that we would have is besides getting drugs off the street, where else can you get opioids from? Where well, okay. Yeah, I mean, we make uh, we make a whole class. I mean, um, fentanyl. You know, we, I don't want you to think that fentanyl is a bad thing. We use fentanyl uh, in uh, combat medicine all the time. Actually, uh, you know, in the old days in World War II, the the medics carried uh, um, you know injections, and they you know stab the guy with uh, morphine, and then they'd you know put the bend the needle and stick it on his jacket, so he knew how many how many vials of morphine he had. Okay. Okay. Nowadays. Nowadays, we carry fentanyl. We, we call them lollipops, but they're lozenges. You know, mm. they're on a stick. Okay. Uh, a guy's been shot. He's got his arm blown off. He's got, a, you know, something else going on where he's in yeah. a tremendous amount of pain. And the medic, instead of giving him a shot, pulls out the sponge and sticks the sponge inside of his mouth that's got fentanyl on it. And he goes into la la land uh, in about okay. 30, 30 seconds. Wow. And and when, when you get too much, you know, you pull out the uh, the, uh, the the lozenge or the uh, the sponge. And it's very easy to pretty much easy to regu regulate. We use uh, uh, fentanyl in the operating room under a drug called sublimase, and it's used frequently for anesthesia. Okay. And um, so there's so we make them. Uh, their morphine is very useful. I mean, you have a kidney stone. Uh, you come into my ER, and I'll probably give you a kid. Uh, you know, uh, morphine for kidney stone, Demerol, all of those uh, used very effectively. Right. Um, the problem, of course, is that. It now gets out on the street. Somebody, somebody, um, a doc, an unscrupulous doctor, and and I hate to tell you this, but there's a fair number of them out there. Um, I, I had a patient. Uh, one of my patients had a legitimate back injury, seen in the ER, and uh, then was then referred to an orthopedic surgeon, a real orthopedic surgeon who really did orthopedic, you know, uh, surgery, mm -hmm. and they wrote a prescription for them for a hundred and eighty. 30 milligram oxys. Wow. Mm. And anybody who's taken this drug knows that that will put you through the ceiling. Wow. And he, drew, and he gave this person 180 of them a month for a year. Wow. And that patient was then addicted. Yes. Okay. They, was, they were addicted, but they were getting it from the doctor. Mm. Okay. And then the doctor said, no, you got to pay cash. Your insurance isn't going to pay for this anymore. You got to pay cash. Well, of wow. course, they couldn't pay cash. Right. Yes. So what do they do? What do they do? They go to street. They mm -hmm. go to the street. And uh, in, a, in a lot of cases, I'm not going to be stay, say anything specific about any yeah. of the patients. That I yeah. have, but a lot of the cases, uh, they go to Baltimore and they end up in crime and prostitution mm -hmm. um, uh, in order to maintain their habit. And they got there because of a physician. Right. Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Uh, you know, a lot of times people, you know, they, they enjoy the high. I'm not, I'm not getting them off the hook, but, uh, they enjoy the high and, and, uh, they want it again. And then yeah. physiologically you have to get it again or right. you'll go into withdrawal and withdrawal is, uh, is hell on wheels. Right. Yeah. So that gets into like, how does all of this affect our brain? I remember the first time we met, you kind of explained that to yeah, us. Yeah. It's like one of our favorite, favorite stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah of how, how it just affects the brain and what it looks like. And yeah. And even, yeah. yeah, even share too on how like you, you've seen it, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, you experience pain at a couple different levels. You have a spinal cord level. Um, and, and that actually just blocks the, the pain receptors from, you know, your body anywhere in your body. Um, and then you have what that's, that's peripheral. And then you have a central, uh, which is in the central portion of the brain. Uh, which um, that's how you, you get the sedation effect of it. Um, but uh, the important thing for people to understand is that uh, opiates, uh, get into the neuro neurology of it, uh, affect uh, 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 
a portion of the brain called the locus ceruleus in the very center of the brain. But more importantly, the locus ceruleus um, uh, stimulates the frontal lobe, the forebrain, okay? Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that the forebrain is the the where you interpret the world. It's the pleasure center, but it's, you know, the side, the uh, um, uh, anatomically, the sides of your brain, especially the area right over your ears in two little bands, mm -hmm. deal with sensation and with motor function. You have a stroke there, you can't move your arm, okay? You have a stroke out here and you don't feel anything. You just don't feel the world, okay? okay? okay. And, and more importantly, every positive feeling you had, whether whether it's a, a great sex, getting a blue <laughs> ribbon, you know, getting a blue ribbon, uh, getting an attaboy from your, 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 uh, um, uh, your, your boss, whatever, mm -hmm. the feeling you have that you feel that this is, wow, mm -hmm. my team, my, the guy that I like just scored a touchdown. Yay. Right. Right. I'm feeling dopamine in my frontal lobe. Okay. Okay. That's the that's where that feeling comes from. It's it's endogenously produced dopamine. Okay. It's the way we interpret the world. We're not a machine, but that's how we interpret it right there. Okay. Guess what? Opiates flood the frontal lobe with dopamine. Wow. Mm. And so when when somebody when somebody says, you know, that they what is it like to be high? Um, one of the, the lines that I think I told you this was a, a kid, a junior high kid, uh, who was from a broken home and he had a pimple face and he wasn't doing well in school. He wasn't an athlete and the girls didn't like him and everything else was going on in his life. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so he went he went someplace or I, I forget exactly how he got his hands on it, maybe from his mother's uh, or father's uh, medicine ca cabinet or whatnot. But um, he took a big slug of oxy, oxycodone, and his, his comment was really telling. He said, that's the best I've ever felt about my life. Wow. Mm. It was not, he wasn't in physical pain, and it wasn't a high like cocaine or anything like that. He felt good about his life. Mm. And the problem was that it was artificial. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. It was artificial. It wasn't really there, and it went away in about 12 hours mm. and then he was back to being pimple faced and the girls didn't like him and his home was broken and everything else and guess what he wanted that again right yes he got another one and he wanted it again mm -hmm. and he got another one and he wanted it again and he couldn't and then and then he couldn't find any and he found out what happens when you can't find that high he started getting sick his joints ached he he had he, he felt like he was catching the cold and then he felt like he felt miserable he's throwing up uh he, he's uh, he thought he was going to die okay and that that is withdrawal mm -hmm. okay people you know in in medical school i remember being told that uh ah, withdrawal is nothing more than a bad case of the flu that's really not true i don't know mm -hmm. why they, they they taught us like that that's not true at all and um uh, you don't die. You don't die from opioid withdrawal. Mm -hmm. You just wish you could. Mm. Right. Wow. Oh yeah. my goodness. Okay. So that's pretty bad. I mean, yeah. <laughs> withdrawal. Withdrawal. Uh, you know, I've I've got I've got some pretty tough characters that are some of my patients, and they do not want to go in withdrawal. Mm. And uh, you can you can weather through it, and sometimes people do, but. Um, it's tough. Yeah, Put it that I way, it's, it's tough. But anyway, that idea is that what you have, uh, it will sedate you. That's true, but that's not what people are searching for. They're searching for the the sensation that life is good. Wow. That's and good. unfortunately, unfortunately, it's an artificial sensation, mm -hmm. and the the sensation that life is good that you get from the from real life, those are actually those are actually white matter tracks. That come from that go uh, that go out there to the frontal lobe, okay, mm. and and it's from different parts of your brain, okay. Uh, Jessica tells you, uh, Nathan, uh, Nathaniel, mm -hmm. that uh, she loves you. She really loves you, and she. Ooh, my she dopamines are kicking off. Yeah, yeah, you just got a little dopamine surge. <laughs> and 
<laughs> exactly right. But you know what? If you were on regular opiates, she could tell you that, and it wouldn't do it for you. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay, it wouldn't do it for you. And one of the things that we find is that when we start to back people off of artificial, mm-hmm. we call it the, the term is exogenous, endogenous versus exogenous. And when we start to back people off of uh, in, uh, exogenous uh, opiates, they find kind of their life sort of dull. Oh, wow. It, 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 they just don't feel it. They mm-hmm. don't feel the, the joy, the deep satisfaction, the contentment that comes. Uh, and, and so one of the things that counseling, and that's part of the wellness part, the counseling and, and really getting in touch with your life. And, and, and it's part of the reason why I like to have these clinics associated with, uh, with churches is because churches deal with the deepest of all sensations of wellness. Yes. And, and if I could say this, and you know, I, I could say it because you were, I'm talking to you guys. Yeah. The deepest sense of, of wellness you will ever feel in your entire life is to be forgiven. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's Amen. So good. Yes. Here, that's can so you good. hit the? You just hit a bomb button because that was that statement was dynamite. <laughs> that was, yeah, it's good. And I mean, that leads us to because um, I remember when we talked before, we've talked a ton because we see each other every week, but yeah. Um, the one thing that I loved that you said uh, last time when you were kind of explaining this about how it takes over the dopamines of your friend, like when we go out and just see a sunset that we just find what we find is beautiful. They don't mm-hmm. even see beauty in it. They don't even see it like a uh, man. That's, that's awesome. Or that, ah, you'll see it. You, you'll see it, but you won't see it to the degree. I don't want to say they're yeah. completely insensitive. Right, right, you know? right. But they're not, they don't feel what we're feeling when we see it. Yeah. But, but the thrill, mm-hmm. yeah. the absolute is there... thrill of life doesn't come. It comes it only comes from the high. And how is there a way that for for the listeners who are like, oh my goodness, that's me? Is there a way that they can get that back? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and the one thing that, and as you know, one of the things that uh, the health and wellness part of, of Ten House mm-hmm. uh, is we have to take the fear of withdrawal off the table. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because when you're doing, you know, you're doing opiates, you're you're 12 hours from withdrawal every single day. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you can't get to your supplier, your the you know whatever is going on, uh, and by using uh, what's what's called medically assisted treatment which is a prescribed opiate, synthetic mm-hmm. opiate. Okay, people say, well, you've just traded one drug for another. And I say, you're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. That is that is true. One is prescribed, the other is a street drug. The reason why we use a prescribed drug is two things. Buprenorphine, we use buprenorphine. The, the street name is, there's Suboxone and Subutex and a variety of different uh, uh, street names, but Suboxone is the one that's most uh, frequently seen by by people they understand or call them subs. Um, suboxone or buprenorphine is uh, the better term. Um, floods the forebrain and prevents it from really being affected by the opiates to okay. a large degree. Okay. Okay. It has a much high. It, it um, in medical terms the the thing that that is uh, uh, that the forebrain has is called the mu receptor. The Greek letter mu the M receptor Mm -hmm. and it it floods the mu receptors and the mu receptors are, are kind of, uh, um, they don't get a high off of it. They, they feel better. Mm -hmm. They'll feel worse if they don't take it, but they feel better in a people and people can go finally go about their lives. They're not swing. They're not swinging from high to low to high to low to high. They even out. And once, once they're on uh, buprenorphine, as a medication, I just noticed they come in and they've got a smile on their face. They're yeah, relaxed. Okay. They're not, they're not scared. They're not anxious about their next, uh, uh, their next uh, hit. Right. And, and, and now we can have normal conversations. Hey, what's going on at work? You got a job, got a new job, got an advancement. Mm. What's going on with your relationship? And, and Jessica, this is where we start to build those tracks back. Yes, okay. 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 Mm-hmm. You start building those relationships back and to say, these are the things that are important. You're yeah. doing well in your job. You're doing well, you know, and let's, let's, let's talk about deeper things, things that really, really will um, uh, satisfy you. And, um, uh, and, and then 
uh, well, I don't know where I was going with that. Just uh, the key here is to establish a a, a baseline of normalcy, right. and that's what buprenorphine is allowed allowing them to do. They're not they're not getting it off the street. They're not breaking the law. They get out of the 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 uh, the group that they were in that was pushing them to do other things. I've had people say, "I just had to leave Baltimore." Mm. Baltimore. I, I've I've had numerous patients say, "I just walked down the street in Baltimore, and everybody is doing uh, you know drugs on the on this on their street corner or on their uh, stoops. They wow. just can't walk down the street. Everybody's trying to hand out their drugs." Wow. Hey, come on over party with us. You know, wow. they're not being mean. Mm -hmm. They're not being mean. They're just saying, hey, I'm high. You get high. You know, right. da, da, da. You know. Plus, we, we know that, uh, I hate to say things like this, but, uh, you know, sex plays a big part of that. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to uh, you, you play in my backyard, then this is what we do. Right. Right. Wow. And, uh, so people so have this to, recovery program that people are on, that you're taking them on, is this a forever thing or is there a weaning process or how, to, how does that work? Question. Yeah. Perfect, perfect question. And uh, I, I just preface this by saying that we are a McDonald's society. And I say not to, not to uh, uh, smirch McDonald's, but fast food. <laughs> we are, everything has to be instant. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And we are expecting uh, to be able to get over something in a day, a week, a month. Right. Right. And, and the thing, and, and uh, I, I keep telling folks, you know, you didn't get here in a day. Right. Right. Um, and a lot of my patients have, have been on uh, opiates for decades mm. or at least, you know, years. And so the main thing here is to, is to uh, create a stable floor, start to get your life put back together again, and then we glacially, slowly work your way off of it. Okay. Till at some point, it's a, I, I, the metaphor that I use is, is we're on a boat, we're in some deep water, mm -hmm. and if you step off this boat right now, you're gonna have to swim, and you're gonna have to swim hard mm. in order to, to reach shore. My goal as a physician, is to move that boat closer and closer and closer to the shore so that when you finally step off this this drug and that's by stepwise weaning we lower the dose and, and they hold it for a while lower the dose hold, hold it for a while lower the dose hold it for a while and then when they finally get to the the, the final steps they're taking infinitesimally small doses okay. and they're still scared they're still scared they, they think it's going to you know be out there and and i've i've had a couple of uh, patients that i wanted to to uh, uh, obviously protect their uh, privacy, but talk to them or have them talk to others about what it's like to finally just right. step on step onto the sand, so to yes. speak, right, you know, right, or, or into, the, into the shallow water and wade ashore and go, well, that wasn't too bad, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and it takes time. The point, and the the bottom line, Jessica, is that we like to the 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 best research shows that going from taking drugs to not taking drugs mm -hmm. at cold turkey aka cold turkey only about one in ten okay uh, are success will successfully do that mm -hmm. some will some will and by the grace of god by yes. the power of the you know the individual they do it okay but that's only one in ten wow on, on the other hand people who use this way about 70 percent Wow. About 70%. Wow. But that, awesome. that still Good. speaks to the to the severity of this particular yes, uh absolutely. Um, you know, that's to say that even under the best of circumstances, only about 30%, mm. uh 30% will will stay and will be addicted and go back and forth between addiction and 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 uh, and, um, and sobriety, you know, for the rest of their lives. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. I remember too that you said um um one time that one of the processes that you take too is you help them remember you try to in this process of recovery talk about thankfulness yeah, and how yeah. uh and i love that that you get them you you teach them hey start writing in a, a journal or a notebook um what you're thankful for right. yeah that's exactly right one of the one of the uh, a psychiatrist friend of mine uh, uh showed me he was big into uh, a test called a functional MRI and um, and it was able to look at areas of the brain that lit up 
Okay. Mm. You've seen all the jokes of this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. But what those, those images actually are, are their functional MRIs. And it means that when your brain is on, on opiates, there are areas of your brain that are literally not, not really functioning all that well. Okay. It looks like your brain. Now, your brain does shrink a little bit, mm-hmm. but it looks like big portions of your brain are just kind of blacked out. It's like wow. flying over the globe and seeing North Korea and there's no lights on. Wow. Okay. And, and so uh, there, are, there are areas of the frontal lobe, particularly uh, in patients that, that are chronically uh, um, addicted, and I'll, I will use that word, dependent, um, who the areas of the brains are not, not, not functioning. And um, he was showing me, and I'll go back to this idea of forgiveness. He was showing me that, <laughs> that listeners may not really buy this one. This, this may be way out there, but he it's feels all right, bring it he on, felt, bring it on. <laughs> he, he feels that he, he, he felt that he had geographically or anatomically isolated the area of the brain that dealt with forgiveness. Mm. And he said, he had a person that uh, that was, and this is has to do with a multiplicity of problems. But he'd gotten a functional MRI, had a big area that was dark, and it wasn't until he actually started to forgive. Wow! It, he, he carried a big, big burden of of anger toward somebody about something, and when he was able to forgive them, literally that portion of the brain lit up. Wow! Okay. And and uh, and that's true of the forebrain, of the frontal lobe as well. Uh, when we start to uh, encourage people to start looking around and seeing the blessings that they have, mm-hmm. and um, and and start and really practice them. That's what I talked to you about. I said, mm-hmm. write them down. Mm-hmm. Write down the things that you are grateful for. Mm-hmm. And there's a great book uh, my, my wife turned me on to was a, a thousand blessings mm-hmm. and it was a young lady whose uh, life had been really dominated by the the death of of, uh, of a baby sister that just really tore the family apart and wow. destroyed her life wow and uh, a, a friend or maybe it's a relative i forget uh said i want you to write down a thousand blessings mm-hmm. that you have and uh, when she and so she started on the obvious and then the more she dug into it, the more she dug into it. Finally, when she hit 400, mm. somebody came to her and said, you're different. Wow. wow. What's different? Mm. What's That's different so about neat. you? Mm-hmm. And and in actual fact, she was rebuilding her frontal lobe. Wow. Mm. That's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was That's amazing. You know, and. It makes me, it gives me a complete different view of, of the scripture talks about renewing your minds. Yes. I've, always yes. thought, I've, I've always thought that metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Renew your mind. And then I think, yes. well, what he's actually, he would have really freaked him out if he would said, rebuild your brain. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But You'd be like, what does that mean? Right. Talking. Yeah. Rebuild your brain. Right. Uh, how does that work? Right. Okay. But I think now, uh, the level of medicine, uh, we now have a better idea of actually how you are rebuilding your brain. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and it starts with blessings and forgiveness and joy and, um, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, again, yes. rejoice. Right, right, yes. What does that do? Right. What does that do for you? Yes. It Doesn't... lights up your whole brain. I know that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> And, you know, and, it, and it gives it, life to it you. Yeah. 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 Wow. Which I think, which so I think cool. leads into this question, which um, you kind of just already kind of hit on it a couple of times with the scripture verses, but you're a believer, you, you believe in God yep. and you, you know, you're a Christian. So I think this question we thought was uh, pretty good is how, as a believer, how has that helped you in your life as a doctor and dealing with all this? Just emergency physician, just everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you that. Uh, let, me, let me go back to being an emergency physician. Yeah. Um, I know we kind of we're, we're off the are, op- opioids, but I, I'm curious on how you feel. Like you know what, yeah. what your thought is on that. Yeah, I, I think that um, I, I don't know. You may or may not have uh, followed this story. Maybe it wasn't uh, uh, on your radar, but there was a. An emergency physician, a beautiful young lady, 
uh, in New York uh, who was um, uh, just, she'd been a super achiever and, um, and was burning the candle at both ends, trying to be everything to everybody, trying to save her patients. And it just completely overwhelmed her. Oh. And she eventually took her own life. Wow. And, and it, I, I'm not going to say anything at all about her life or spiritual life, nothing like that. I just simply say that the stress mm. of being in that environment um, is more than most people can imagine. You mm. know, I, I, I go back and I remember um, having to go and console and inform a mom who had accidentally backed the car over her three-year-old. Oh, my goodness. And, and it killed her three-year-old. Wow. That's just, oh. oh, my gosh. And how do you do that? It, right, how do you recover? Right. How do you recover from that? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and how do you, as a physician, take that home and look at your own children? Yes. Mm. Your, or your grandchildren. And, uh, and I think that um, when you see the evil and the, and the pain and the devastation and the hopelessness. I mean, sometimes yes. you go in and you see a, a situation. Somebody's got cancer. Some some kid is in a situation where the ter- parents are terrible. It's not going to get better. And you look at it and you go, where do we start with this? Yes. Mm-hmm. There, there is a certain amount of hopelessness mm-hmm. uh, in life. And if anybody doesn't think that, they're fools or they haven't lived. The, they haven't seen life like I have. Right. And. And I think that if there is anything that Christ has to say to us, and that is that there is hope. Yes. There's yes. hope. Yes. yes, absolutely. That's right. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, uh, I, I believe that that has helped me through uh, the dark hours um, of, you know, you ask, what is it all about? And God has an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just, you're not just talking to the wind. Mm. He has an answer. Yes. You're my yes. child, right? You know, in the end, it's going to be good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna print. I'm gonna bring you in, and everybody's got a different uh, uh, set of uh, uh, pains, and yes. uh, and Absolutely. I understand them, and I've been there. I, I, you know, got, you know, the message of Christ is, you probably can't go to any depth that I haven't been. I've been there. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, humiliation, pain, rejection. Yes. What have you had that, that, that I haven't had? Right. You know, I did it for you. I love you. And I'm going to be there for you. I always love the fact that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were walking around in the fire. And they said, gee, there's another guy walking here in the fire with us. Right. 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 So wow. I think that's true. Uh, and I think that's true th- throughout the scriptures. I think if you look at the scriptures, you'll see that, you know, uh, when we're at in the toughest toughest places yes we look around we'll see that you know god's there yes, not alone. Is. that's yes. the worst. that's the worst thing that can happen is to think that you're alone that's right yes and, absolutely and right. Uh, god says no you're not you're not alone right mm-hmm. i'm there with you absolutely so good so good ah. so like so for anyone that listens to this and um how could they you know if, if they're struggling with um um, being dependent, yeah, to be independent on opioids, or they know someone, family member. How can they get a hold of you or get in contact with you to either use the clinic at our church or if they're somewhere else that listens to this? Yeah, yeah, uh, we we have a clinic obviously in Southern Maryland at uh, at uh, uh, Living Word, and yes. we have a clinic uh, in uh, um, Annapolis at uh, um, Chesapeake Christian Fellowship, and we have uh, a clinic in Baltimore currently at uh, the Village Church, which is in uh, the Roland Avenue area. And, um, but if if people want to just sort of ask a question or they want to just kind of feel the, the water, you can go to uh, tenthousehealth.com. Tent House is one word. Tent House is one word. Health.com. Uh, and you'll read a little bit about what uh, medical assisted treatment is about. It has a phone number right there that goes, um, uh, and it'll be answered hopefully. You know, anytime you call, you just got a call this afternoon of a patient who wants to wants to get in treatment. You, there's no obligation, no commitment. You can just call, call and talk about it. 
you've got a son or daughter or aunt or uncle or a friend or a neighbor or somebody like that that is, uh, you know, um, one of my patients just saved the life of another patient. Wow. And uh, That's so who awesome. was in an overdose. And uh, she she reversed their medication and 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 she I, very I, I am humbled by what she said. She said, I have a doctor who will take care of you. Wow. You need to see him. You need to see him. Wow. And uh, and so I, I I just simply say to folks that if the, if you know and I'll just tell you that too many people know somebody who needs this. Yes. If it's not, I mean it, I'm serious. It's it's yes. it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know you you can sit out sit down and talk to them and say, you know you don't have to live like this. You don't have to be afraid you're going to go into withdrawal all the time. You right. don't have to go out and and uh, and I, I've had people who you know, responsible people. Okay. I mean, successful people mm-hmm. who looted their 401k, who, who, uh, you know, they, they got to nothing. They were, mm-hmm. they were spending their entire paycheck maintaining their habit. Wow. Okay? They were mm-hmm. working, they were working responsibly mm-hmm. and yet they were completely, uh, looting every dollar that they had or hoped to have, mm-hmm. uh, and then they slide into into theft, stealing from their employee employers, and then you know it's it's down from there. So, if you're in a situation where, uh, or or someone you know has a legitimate pain problem, okay, a car accident, back injury, surgery, yada yada yada, whatever, and you just and they they put you on narcotics for a long period of time, and now you can't get off of them. This is the kind of place uh, we can help you do that. Yes. And, yes. Uh, uh, tent house health, tent house health. And we'll, we'll link it, yeah, uh, we'll link it in the description, all the descriptions of where as we well it. as you have a podcast too, right? Uh, we don't yet. We, oh, okay. we, we talk, uh, we don't yet actually, uh, I've been so tied up doing other things that I haven't really, uh, uh have gotten to that yet, but we hope okay. to very, very soon. Okay. So and, when uh, you launch that, then we'll go back to this video and we'll, um, add it in the description and stuff. Right. Yep. And I think uh, just to close us out too, um, we always like to end with prayer, but for anyone that does listen to this, I mean, um, whether you're struggling or not, I mean, this year has been chaotic and has brought so much hopelessness and fear. And I think just listening to this and that Dr. Mark is constantly facing people and showing, showing them that not only is Jesus hope, but there are ways to get through life, you know, and there's people out there like Dr. Mark and others that are wanting to be with you, wanting to help you, you know, and we're, we're here too. We, we try to assist Dr. Mark as much as possible in helping. Um, and so we're here for you, you know, and, and you're not alone. You are not alone yeah, if you hear right. this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, but yeah. I think let's, if you don't mind, we'd like to end with some prayer. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. You All bet. right. Okay. Go for it. Well, let's end with some prayer and then, uh, and then close it out. Would you yeah. like to pray? Sure. Little bubbly Jessica's going to pray for us. <laughs> All right. Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity that we, um, we're able to use technology and just have this conversation. And I just pray that it would go beyond what we even think that this video would go to each person that you have already made it for that you have appointed for because each person who listens to this video, we know that you love them. You care for them and you want them to know that you bring that hope you bring that peace and that love and that joy that they may be missing and so just surround them where they're at um, and that they would have the confidence and the strength to just uh, reach out and connect and just start that recovery of um of having hope and lord just thank you for dr mark yes just uh keep equipping him yes. and renewing him just yes. refresh him in in um and this journey of being an emergency physician and also helping people who are dependent on on different things and that you would just uh, build him right back up. And when he gets tired, you would just give him your strength and your energy, Lord. And um, and just, just have that encouragement there that he yes. would just continue to um, know that he is doing what you have asked him to do. And we just praise your holy name, Lord. Amen. 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 
Amen. Tent House Health, and yes. um, and and uh, the the number is easy to remember. It's uh, uh, 494 4104 394 95 94 Okay. And we'll also put all that information in there and um okay. and put, you know, any, anything else that you want us to put in there too? Yeah, uh, if you want to just know. text us or something like that, we can put anything sure. else just, in the description. I, I just want people to understand that you know it's all around us—family, yes. friends, coworkers. Yes. It is. yes. Um, uh, and um, there's there's hope, uh, and it affects everybody. People yeah. who just are are out there trying to manage their pain, mm-hmm. uh, and we accept, we accept insurance, all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. all kinds of insurance, even Medicaid, and. Um, um, and you can do this yes. and you can get on your, on, the, on the way to, to health and wellness. Yes. yes amen. Uh, a health and wellness. So I, I hope that uh, if you're listening uh, that, and you know, somebody, I'm sure you do. Yes. I'm sure you do. Yes. Probably do. Uh, that you will let them know that, Hey, there's some folks out there that, that care for you yeah. and that there's hope uh, for you and it's going to be a long road. It's okay. Yes. To the long road, we're going to walk it together. Amen. Amen. That was such an uh, awesome podcast to be able to uh, just share that time with Dr. Mark Plaster. Um, yeah. And I just, like I get, I want to stress again um, that, you know, if you are struggling with hope, you know, there's people out there that are looking to help you out, help yeah, a family member out. Even if you aren't dependent on a substance, mm-hmm. uh, even if you're just feeling hopeless, there is hope. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, just thank you for joining us on Squeaky Tree Podcast. Yes. My name is Nathaniel Wickham, and this is... I'm Jessica. We'll see you next time.